and lover of all things lit, professional reviewer, recommender, book blogger. I am your host, Lloyd Russell, aka The Book Sage, and you're listening to Lit with Lloyd, courtesy of KCAT Radio. Hi, uh, I'm Lloyd Russell, and this is our fourth podcast of Lit with Lloyd. Thanks, as always, to KCAT for hosting us and providing us with the opportunity to talk to local authors. Our guest today is Ramey Waters. Ramey is the author of two novels and one book of award-nominated short stories. We will find out if she's working on something new, uh, because some of us cannot wait. Uh, welcome, Ramey. It's great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and I'm going to start by just letting our our listeners know that uh, you came to our book club five and a half years ago. It was January of 2016 uh, to talk about the Angel Share. So I want to start with that because that's really one of my favorite books ever. Uh, and our members absolutely loved it. So start by telling us what the Angel Share means how you came to write it, and and what led you to that particular subject. All right. So the angel share is a somewhat technical term, I guess, <laughs> uh, in winemaking. And it, it refers to the smell that you get, perhaps, if you've gone into a wine shop or a wine cave at a winery, where you can actually smell it in the air. Um, because they use oak barrels and uh, cork, to stop the barrels up, those are organic materials and they allow uh, molecules of the wine, which are constantly moving around, um, not to our naked eye, but in the reality of chemistry, are constantly moving around and um, kind of uh, bopping their way out up into the air. And so that's why you can smell it. And and so I, I took, I love that term so much and I took it metaphorically as someone who's trying to kind of find their way out um, to escape, to rise above, and uh, that's where the title came from. Okay, and and what what brought you to that storyline? How did you come up with that storyline? Well, I I grew up in Sonoma County, West Sonoma County. For those of you that know it, um, it's it's a it's a place where kind of agricultural and hippies met in the seventies, and huh. um, there was always a bit of back and forth there, um, and. Uh, so, so there was the the apple orchards and the wineries, and then there were a lot of people sort of from left over from the summer of love that sort of moved into Western Sonoma County and settled down and built yurts and other things like that. And um, <laughs> so, uh, I had a lot of friends who um, I grew up in a more traditional household. Um, my mom was a teacher, and, uh, and but I had a lot of friends who had more. Um, unusual or unorthodox upbringings. Um, sometimes that included a lot of drug use by parents and therefore kids. And I had a couple of friends that really fell off um, the radar due to that. And, and that's what really got me started writing this book. I wanted to write a book about these people, one of my friends who I knew had kind of um, fell kind of fell into this life and I wanted to see her succeed. So I wrote a book about um, someone recovering from that upbringing. Okay, well, uh, if you go on Goodreads, uh, as I often do, to look at ratings, um, 
the Angel Share has a rating of 4.35 out of 5, Ooh. which is a really high rating for those of you who don't know the, uh, uh, the, the Goodreads uh, system. Um, yeah, I try not never to look at any of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm just going to tell you right now, get that book because you're going to thank me. Okay, so let's now back up a little bit. Tell us how you became an author, uh, what you've written in the order you've written in. Let's uh, start with that. Sure, I'm, I majored in literature and English in college at UC Santa Cruz, and I'd always been a really imaginative kid. I think, you know, imaginative being maybe a nicer word to use sometimes. <laughs> um, but that translated also into me just having a lot of ideas for stories and characters and things. And I would write them down um, even before I got to college. I would I would write them down and, and kind of come up with these entire worlds. And then in college, I, I did a lot of writing classes, but I felt that I couldn't really support myself writing at that point. So I went and got a degree in education and worked in um, high tech and also in schools. And But I was always writing on the side and always kind of penning out little short stories and sending them off to literary magazines. And over the course of many, many years and many, many submissions, <laughs> uh, I had I had some success. I got uh, stories accepted and even nominated for some prizes, which of course is very um, fulfilling as a any kind of artist, any kind. You get any kind of good feedback is so amazing. Uh, I, I live in Palo Alto and I won the short story contest there that, that, that the local newspaper runs. And those things just kept spurring me on. And I thought I wanted to take on a bigger project and really try and write a novel. And like I said earlier, this idea had been kicking around in my head. And so I started it. Um, and it uh, took about eight years <laughs> to write it. Um, you know, I'd say at about the five year mark, I started sending it out to agents thinking I was close to done. <laughs> and the feedback from the agents when I even got any feedback at all was this is not done. So I took it back and did a bunch more rewrites. I think I, you know, I saved each draft on my computer with a number, which, you know, which rewrite it was. And I believe that the one I eventually submitted to the agent that took me was 29. So I, I basically went through the whole book and, and rewrote it in varying amounts of intensity um, 29 times. Wow. And that takes, for me at least, um, you know, not for the Stephen Kings of the world or the, huh. the James Pattersons, uh, but for me, that took a long, long time. Uh, and you were able to get an agent. I Yes, I was. Uh, again, after many submissions of the novel, many query letters and um, a lot of disappointment, it was like kind of out of the blue. One of them called me and said, I love the book. It's perfect as is and I want to represent it. And which was so strange because I had gotten, you know, such negative feedback or no feedback at all. And it's really, you know, it's so dependent on the individual person. And so you have to really keep submitting and, and really failing um, for a long time. And, and one of the sayings that I took to heart from another writer was, if you're not getting rejected three times a week, you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> so when I heard that, I'm like, okay, well, that's about what's happening. So I'm doing good. Um, uh, but you really have to kind of get into a comfortable relationship with failure, I think, to be a writer or probably any kind of artist. Well, we've we've heard this from from 
innumerable amount of authors saying that that this was their case as well. Um, Jean Owl had 65 rejections before she got somebody to take Clan of the Cave Bear. Yeah, crazy, right? So yeah, so so listeners, uh, you'd be amazed at how many rejections some of the very well-known authors have had. Well, J.K. Rowling was 19 or 20 rejections. Is that and, right? And Scholastic took it. It was published by Scholastic, so I'm sure all those editors are kicking themselves. But <laughs> um, yeah, there's all those kinds of stories out there. But, uh, you know, sometimes it's just you have to kind of keep your chin up and keep going, even though it feels like perhaps maybe you shouldn't. But <laughs> but I did and um, got the agent. And then I thought, oh, well, I'm all set and done. And this is, book is like going down the... Um, the take it's going to take off like a jet plane and um, but that was just the beginning then there was finding a publisher and you know going back and forth we were in negotiations with one of the large new york houses and i went and made a lot of changes to the book that they were requesting that i wasn't necessarily thrilled about but you know if a big publisher wants to take you on you're you've got to be a little flexible so I made those changes and they still didn't take me. Hmm. Um, and uh, then we went to sort of um, smaller houses and, and one, of, one of those houses did end up taking the book. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's really, it's a roller coaster ride emotionally. And I think a lot of people that write or good at writing are a bit sensitive. And so it can be a tough road. Well, we know that that the the big publishing houses, I mean, they kind of take care of everything for the author, uh, you know, the ebooks and the audio books and the touring and everything. But what what does a small publisher do for an author? It really depends on the small publisher. And, um, you know, I, I think even at a bigger house, unless you're kind of at the top of their list, if you're sort of mid list, um, you don't get a ton of resources. What you get is some legitimacy of the name. Perhaps you get an advance. Uh, and if, you know, kind of all the cards fall in your favor, then maybe they, you get some real marketing dollars behind it. But it really depends on how, the, between them buying the book and then the book actually going out into the marketplace, that's a good six to 12 months, depending on the publisher. and. Um, and anything can happen. You know, if the buyer from Costco loves your book cover, then that can change everything. And it really has nothing to do with you. So it's um, it's very, it's sort of um, luck of the draw, really. And, um, you know, I, I did a lot of work pre-publication to try to get the book out there, to try to get as much interest in the book. I thought, okay, I'll go to wineries and see if wineries would want to sell it because it takes place in the Dry Creek Valley, um, specifically at a winery that makes Infidel. So I thought, well, there's a bunch of those wineries. I'll go and see if they want to sell the book in their tasting rooms. And they looked at me like, what? <laughs> I'm like, it's perfect. You got to have people up here for the weekend. You know, they're going to want to buy a book. And um, but, you know, I only asked three or four places. Maybe if I had asked 12 places, the book would have been in a few tasting rooms. So yeah, yeah. it's really, you know, it's really kind of um, you got to go out and pound the pavement as an author, which is another a role that, you know, I'm not 100 percent comfortable with. So uh, but it's the reality right now. I think if you book publishing heyday and maybe the 60s, you'd get a lot more kind of bells and whistles. And now it's pretty bare bones, I think, unless you are 
really kind of at the top of the list at one of the major publishers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So 2015 was the Angel Share, mm -hmm. correct? And then what uh, what did you put out after that? No, I'm sorry. 2012 was the Angel Share. Ah. And then the um, publisher uh, that I was working with wanted, because the short stories had all been accepted and published and some were nominated, they wanted to follow that up quickly with the book of short stories. So ah. we put that together. Um, that's called The Island of Misfit Girls. Um, and then, so that came out in 2013. It was pretty close after. And then I was working on a young adult novel um, called um, Mercuria uh, about, it takes place uh, in a unnamed Bay Area town <laughs> <laughs> where people move uh, for the schools, um, but that's built on top of a bunch of uh, old abandoned mercury mines. And so there's a lot of things that are going on in this town that are difficult to explain. And in the vein of many young adult books, there is um, a, a boy main character and a girl main character, and they're just trying to figure out who they are. They know that they have some sort of special relationship, but they can't quite figure out what it is. And um, it's, it's literally life or death, uh, as they find out that they need to come together to solve the town's problem. So that was Mercuria, came out in 2015. And uh, since then, I have been taking notes and writing drafts, but don't have anything new yet. I had a, a short story that um, came out and uh, in one of the Palo Alto newspapers uh, won one of their uh, awards. And I want to say that was 2015 or 2016 called The Graduate. And um, and then the Angel Share audiobook just came out this last year. Whoa. I know, yeah. That's, that's great. Put out by the publisher of the book? Uh, no, no, put out, I decided to do it ah. because the publisher um, it didn't want to and I had so many requests. So I just looked into it. I didn't read it myself. I had a professional do it, but it was quite reasonable. And um, and it's opened up, I think, a new audience. People really love audiobooks. They love to listen in the car, listen while they're doing something. Yep. And so um, that's been, the sales have been good on that, yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, uh, my wife and I started listening to audiobooks uh, just maybe a year before the shutdown. Mm -hmm. um, and now we don't go anywhere, so we haven't gone anywhere, so we haven't <laughs> listened again. But we, we've listened to a number of them. So I think the audiobook is a great thing. Oh, yeah. I, I think, and for people that have any kind of... Um, you know, difficulty reading or just don't like to sit still. You know, they want to listen to something while they're moving around. It's a, it's a great option. Did your publisher um, put out uh, the Angel Share in, as an ebook? Yes, yes. It uh, was a, an original paperback. So there is, um, for those of you in the listening universe, uh, there usually you would see a book come out first in hardcover at usually around $30. And then about a year later, if the book does well, a year later they put out a paperback, um, and the ebook now comes out at the same time as the hardcover. But for my book, because my book was sort of reading um, book club friendly, reading club friendly, uh, I wanted it to come out in paperback originally because I didn't want uh, people will wait uh, for book clubs to buy the book because they don't want to spend the money on a hardcover yeah. and. And I, you know, I, I think that that was the right move for my book. It's different for every book, uh, but it came out in original paperback and ebook at the same time. And then the audiobook just a few years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know me personally, let me just say that I am many decades removed from a young adult. However, having said that, 
I definitely enjoyed Mercuria. Mm -hmm. uh, is it available in any format? Oh yeah, ebook and um, and paperback. Not in audiobook yet. Uh, yes, it's absolutely available. Um, you can find it on Amazon, and um, I'm assuming bookstores can order it if it's not in stock. Okay, good, good. Uh, okay, so do you are, even though you haven't put anything, you know, a finished product together in in the last few years? Do you have a writing schedule? You know, I would say, well, um, in 2015, we um, fostered to adopt a child out of the California foster system. And I will say that that, you know, sort of derailed my schedule. <laughs> um, very, very much worth it. We're very thrilled that we did it. Um, but it was a difficult road. and. And it took up a lot of my creative energy, to be honest. Um, and I think that there could have been a way where I used the writing as a bit of a, an away time, but that's just not how it ended up working. So, um, so my or before then, I would I would write um, when my older child was at school. Uh, I would write in the morning. Um, and then if I was having a good day and writing a lot, I would keep going. And if I wasn't having that good of a day, then I would stop. And um, I tried not to put too much pressure on myself. I found that when I followed the advice of other writers who say, oh, well, you just have to sit in the chair for three hours until you, or until you write so many words, that when I tried to do that, I had like a near mental breakdown. So <laughs> I just had to go a little bit easier on myself. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've tried to kind of get back that morning routine, but um, now that my children are grown, um, I find that not having those constraints actually is not helping, <laughs> you know, because I'm like, oh, well, I don't have to pick anybody up from school. So I'll, you know, I'll exercise in the morning and then I'll write later and then it doesn't happen. So um, I apparently am lacking in discipline and, and I will say that COVID did not help. Um, I don't think I think everyone can relate to that. Yeah. Whatever discipline you had pre COVID might have gone out the window. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you said you have some notes. Do you have a, a you don't have to, of course, tell us much, but do you have a a storyline in mind? I do. Well, what I found is that I I over time I've learned this is how my brain works. Um, I usually have three or four stories going at the same time in my brain that I'm thinking about or characters problems that they're trying to solve. And then when it when the magic happens is sort of when I realize that two of the stories are actually the same story, even though they might not uh, on their face seem like they have a lot in common. But when I realize that one of those stories ties up with another story and they're actually intertwined, then I'm like, oh, okay. Now I've made something more complicated, more interesting, um, and so I, you know, I just, I'm, I'm working on that. I've got the stories, but I haven't quite figured out which ones are intertwined and which aren't. So do you think you're going to write a novel or do you think you're going to write more short stories? I think I'd write another novel. The short story that came out, The Graduate, which came out in the Palto Weekly. Um, and that one is actually also on audio because they recorded audio. Oh, wow. Um, uh, really, it was really weird. And it, it kind of came to me in that, that state where you're sort of falling asleep. And I was actually at a writing conference. So I think, you know, the, I was kind of in a, like a fertile mind situation and <laughs> the whole entire story sort of came to me and I wrote a, an outline down and that particular contest has a word limit of 2,500. And so I rarely 
write a short story of 2,500 or less. That's not very long, but this one was short enough. And so I submitted it. And, um, but I think no more of a novel. I think the novel gives you more time to um, develop an idea and to create um, more interest for the reader. Not that short stories can't do that, but, and I have a lot of friends who um, prefer novels over short stories. They find the short stories kind of too jarring or they really want to get into something and like kind of let it flow. So I, I am among the, that group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, well, um, you mentioned a writing class. Do you tend to take writing classes on occasion? I certainly used to. Uh, I was in a ton of different writing groups. Of course, I took writing classes when I was in school. Um, learning how to do dialogue. I think it's very helpful to be in a class um, because you make so many mistakes and people can help you say, well, you know, try read it aloud and, or try it this way or try it that way. Um, I w went to a lot of writers conferences, which were less about necessarily learning the craft of writing, although there were some fabulous presentations and interesting things that I learned at both uh, Tin House and which uh, was a, I'm not sure it still takes place. It used to take, pl take place at Reed College up in Portland and Suwannee, which takes place at University of the South in Tennessee. Um, and I learned a lot of amazing things there. I had great workshops and great uh, mentors, but it's the connections with other writers that were the most helpful. Um, for example, I went to a writer's conference and met um, a woman who was in the creative writing department at University of Minnesota. And when the Angel Share came out, she invited me to come there. I was gonna go to Minneapolis and do a book reading in Minneapolis. It's a, that's a pretty bookish town. It's a great place to go and read if you, um, if you can. And so I took a little detour and went out to um, her university and was a visiting professor for a day and taught a class on um, it was actually a journalism class, which I don't have any background in. Um, but it was uh, it was it was a really fun class to teach because I taught about sort of like how to use narrative and how to draw the reader in using narrative. And uh, so that connection, you know, I was on the radio there. I got to teach the class. I got a stipend, which paid for some of my travel, and and it kind of you know fleshed out this uh, a Minneapolis book reading. So that's another great thing about. Um, writing conferences and writers groups is you just meet more people and expand your audience and writers are all super fun to hang out with to be <laughs> honest they're really fun people as are poets and screenwriters because they've been at the um, some of the conferences as well so yeah um, but there's you know like Stanford teaches continuing studies courses on writing there's a lot where you can work with lots of great writers and uh, there are a ton of online resources. The other thing that I would often do is I would plan, especially when my children were younger, I would plan a two day or if I was lucky, three day getaway somewhere, you know, either a friend's house while they were gone for the weekend. It didn't, it, you know, it didn't need to be anything special. It just needed to be a quiet place where there weren't any chores waiting on me. <laughs> And um, and I would bring uh, writing books. So uh, Robert McKee's story is it was a really helpful uh, book to read. Um, there's another book called The Half Known World, which was helpful. Um, and 
reading those kind of gets you in the mood to look at, especially if you're editing, to look at your writing in a f more fresh way and make the sometimes the really hard changes make them e easier to see. Um, uh, so I would do that. I would I would go on these little two or three day getaways. I would bring a writing book. I would read it. Oh, Stephen King's on writing is another great one. I think everybody, I've heard that everybody loves that one, but I think it's particularly good. And um, even if you're not a Stephen King fan, I recommend it. <laughs> and uh, I would read a couple chapters in those and I and I would see something that they were saying. And I'm like, oh, I, I need to think about that in my writing. And then I as I was editing, I'd be think. I'd be editing, but I'd also be thinking about, uh, you know, don't use the passive voice as much, or, I mean, that's just kind of a simplistic thing, or make sure that your dialogue leaves things unsaid. Um, so then I would go through my dialogue and take wow. out little chunks so that there would be more holes where the reader would maybe have to fill in what the people yep. were thinking. Yep. So uh, yeah, make it snappier or, you know, if you find you're using a particular word too much, do a search for that word and see every place that it turns up and decide whether you need it there or not. And so um, those books were all um, super helpful. You know, the, the instructors and mentors, the other students and the books, and then frankly, just time. Time is my best editor. Sometimes I'll think something's perfect and done and then I'll look at it in two weeks and think, how could I have thought that it needs so much work? <laughs> so uh, time is, is really a good friend in terms of editing. All right, and speaking of screenwriters, have either of your books generated any interest with movie or TV studios? You know, I've had a couple people um, say that they knew someone in Hollywood and they loved my book and they were gonna get it to this person and blah, blah, blah. And of course I got all excited, <laughs> but I haven't, no, no, until the until the contract signed, there's no, <laughs> and, and and there hasn't been one. So um, I hope so, I hope eventually that happens. I think the angel share is is perfect for, for on screen. I agree, thank you, Lloyd. <laughs> now we just need to get someone, a decision maker to agree yeah, with us. Yeah, do, do either of us know anybody to contact? Well, yes, you know, it was so funny when the Angel Share came out and people were loving it and they'd come up to me and they'd say, well, you know what you need to do? You need to get this book on Oprah. And I mean, I can't tell you the number of people said this and I would just almost laugh and say, well, do you know somebody at, at Oprah? Because I don't. And, and they probably get about 3000 books a week unsolicited. So, um, you know, there's you, you really it's it's again a lot about who, you know, and and the contacts of the people that are helping you with the book. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with all the many authors that that I've heard, so few of them actually have had books that became uh, a, a movie or, oh, you yeah. know, or or hit the TV, uh, but many have been contacted about it. Right. That's so right. you know, yeah, uh, and 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 they've even had their rights purchased, but nothing ever came of it. So that's right. Yeah, it's kind of the luck of the draw. It almost seems exactly. Well, you know, it's kind of like being optioned is sort of like it's an honor to be nominated. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, I'm gonna um, digress to give my my trivia of the of the podcast okay and this week um i want to talk about paperbacks just for a quick second for you guys to know there have been paperback novels since the late 1800s however 
The first one that was actually considered respectable was put out by Penguin in 1935. And the first mass market paperback is The Good Earth by Pearl S. Buck in 1938. That's a great book. Yeah, and the, and the interesting connection to our area is City Lights in San Francisco in 1953 became the first bookstore in the country to have only paperbacks. So that's 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 how recent paperbacks really became popular. And interestingly enough, the co-founder Lawrence Ferlinghetti, he just passed away this year uh, on February 22nd at the age of 101. Oh wow. Yeah, so for those a, of a you- A life well lived. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so for those of you who think that uh, paperbacks have been around for hundreds of years, not really, and from a popularity standpoint, even less than 100 years. So that's our trivia for today. And I'm gonna just close by thanking Ramey. I've known Ramey for a number of years. It is such a treat to have her here. Uh, I really appreciate you doing that. And again, thanks to KCAT for hosting us. Thank you, KCAT. <laughs> and we'll see you uh, the next time. Thanks, Lloyd. Bye, guys. Bye. You just heard Lit with Lloyd here on KCAT Radio. Explore all our KCAT original programming at kcat.org radio.